Support for this podcast comes from UCSF Medical Center. U.S. News and World Report has recognized UCSF Medical Center as the best hospital in California for neurology and neurosurgery, cancer, orthopedics, kidney care, diabetes and endocrinology, lung and respiratory care. UCSF Health, redefining possible. This is for Buck's sake. You can't rely on many things in the world these days, like the Melbourne Victory turning in a decent performance, but you can rely on us returning for another week of fun and Buck chat, albeit a little bit later than usual this week. We are recording after a long weekend and joining me, the Weary Heads Brigade. Joining me as always is Dave. Hello, Dave. How are you feeling, mate? Not too bad, Jace. On the road to recovery still uh, after getting back from Brisbane and, uh, yeah, feeling more or less human at the moment. Of course, we're going to chat about your little experience up in Brisbane. Joining you also on that trip and joining us today is Buds, man, the people. A little bit sedated today, Buds. How are you, mate? I'm okay, guys. Uh, I left the house in tracksuit pants, so that sums up today for me. (laughs) (laughs) Our guest this week we had prepared was the uh, the Fox Sports' Adam Peacock, but we uh, we tried to record a uh, an interview with him a little bit earlier on today. We had some technical issues, so we couldn't uh, couldn't go with that. We had to ditch Adam Peacock. We had to bump him, and we got a man on short notice who you might recognise uh, from about a few weeks ago. He did the Ambrosia Fold Designs ad. He's also <laughs> on the uh, Destruction of the Box A League podcast. Rudy, how are you, mate? Not too bad, mate. I don't think I'm quite as dusty as the other two, but I did enjoy my long weekend quite a bit. Thanks for joining us on short notice. It's uh, definitely helped because it uh, ho- hopefully fills our content a little bit. We'll start off. With I am your... the next best thing to Adam Peacock. It's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start off with your journey. We haven't done a journey in a while. We've had a, had a few guests on who haven't done it. So let's uh, let's hear your journey. How did you become a Melbourne Victory supporter and a football supporter in general? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm what uh, the uh, old NSL types would call a new dawner. Uh, I actually didn't grow up with the sport at all. So I grew up in the northeastern suburbs of Melbourne, which are very, very Anglo-Saxon, and it was footy in the winter, cricket in the summer, that was it. And um, never really came up on my radar, soccer or football, uh, until we qualified for the World Cup. Um, like, I was sort of aware of how our struggles, and I knew of your, your Viduka and Kewal types, um, but it didn't grab my attention. It was on too late at night. And then, yeah, when we qualified for the World Cup, I delved head first. I just decided, like, I watched pretty much every game of that World Cup because I was bartending at that point, you know, staying up all night. So, and then I just decided this sport is, is it's pr- like, to me, it's pretty much uh, almost the perfect sport. Like, it's so such a pure sport. And, um, yeah, I just decided that it was the one for me. And then the victory had just started up, so I jumped on board. Um, couldn't get to many games early on because of the bartending thing. I still remember my first game, 06, 07. I think it was the, one of the first games, we, possibly the only game we lost at home all season, I think, in Newcastle. Yep, our yeah. bogey team. One of the, that would have started off the bogey team kind of title back then. Yeah, yeah. they would have done. So um, very similar run-up into football as uh, Jace here as well. Yeah, right? yeah. Similar story. As I've mentioned, Tim Cahill captivated me with his uh, two goals against and now you. Now you fucking hate him. Exactly the same, him. mate. <laughs> I'll, never, I'll never forget that. We were, <laughs> we were drinking at my mates that night and like after the game, you know, we are all so, so full of like patriotic fervour. We ended up like standing around an Australian flag someone had put on the floor and we were just drinking like beers. <laughs> It's, yeah, so that sport captured my attention and the victory did and, and yeah, now here we are. And now you do a podcast, which Dave is a very big fan of. He's mentioned it about four or five times in the last five weeks. He's a love big it. fan. I love all the Ned Zelich, uh, you know, dialogue, particularly at the start and then towards the end. You love rainbows, don't oh, you? I do. So let's get some cross-promotion going. Tell us a little bit about your podcast as well. What's a, Obviously, it's called Destruction of the Box. Where can you find it and everything like that? Um, vineyards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're called Destruction of the Box, uh, you can find us, we're on Twitter, we're at DITB Pod. You can subscribe to us through iTunes, you can find us on Facebook, um, you can subscribe to us through whatever Android podcast you use or Podbean. 
Um, we're just a, a, an irreverent look at the A-League, basically. Um, we're, it's, we're a bunch of mates. We're all Melbourne Victory fans. And we just pretty much shoot the shit about the A-League for, for about 50 minutes. Um, it's a good laugh. One of the guys I rate as good an analyst of Australian football as anyone, Chris. Um, and the other two, the play role. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. If you like the A-League, and I, I get, I sort of get with the A-League that there's not many fans of the actual competition. Everyone likes a team. No, no one actually follows the comp, but mm. I'm pretty sure you... Yeah, I've, I've said... Jace is in, in that past, category, yeah. yeah. I, can't, I can't watch a, a neutral A-League game at yeah, all. And I, just, I mean, that's fair painful. enough. Like, I, we... You know, we look through our games tonight and like, one of them is, you know, like CCM are a complete joke of a team and, you know, and Sydney FC. Like, you know, I can understand not wanting to watch it. But if you do watch it, listen to our pod. Give them a listen. And a reminder as well, if you want to subscribe to For Vuck's Sake, you can do on your uh, on your iTunes and iPod, or, sorry, podcatchers as well. So give that, give that a like if you haven't already. The music theme this week is my go. We had Dave two weeks ago, Buds last week. I'm going to go with uh, something from the 60s. I'm going to go with the 60s theme. So we're going to jump in the time machine. We're going to play some 60s rock and roll. It's one of my favourite kind of eras of music. So we'll have a look, listen to that. On the show today as well, I forgot to mention that. We're going to review the match. Do we have to? We're going to, <laughs> we're going to touch briefly on it. Memory of the Week returns. We're going to discuss a few goings around on the, uh, in, in terms of victory with uh, Berbatov. Del Pierre, Costa, etc., etc. We'll look ahead to the next few games as well against the Suwong Blue Wings and also the Newcastle Jets on Sunday. So, as I said, the 60s theme, let's get it cranking. This is for Vuck's sake. From our sponsor, I'm gonna let you take it, Rudy. Do you remember what's uh, what's next? I I was lubricated that evening, but I yeah. do I think I remember it. So um, you came up to me about two weeks ago and you said you wanted to do the Ambrosia Four Designs. At that point, we had never met before, but you obviously knew about the podcast and you listened to it and you remembered the number off by heart. So I'm gonna test you here. Do you still remember it? I'm pretty sure I do. I'm pretty sure I do. Okay, go for it. Okay, so there are unit one, number fifteen, assembly drive, Tullamarine. Yep. yep. And uh, it's nine double three eight three six zero nine. Nailed Perfect. it. And as always, you can give Leanne a call. Brisbane Raw five, Melbourne Victory zero. We'll touch on the game in a second. Firstly, I want to talk about something that's probably a little bit more interesting. And you, you two boys, Dave and Buds, went on the trip. Let's let's talk about that trip first. And let's start with you, Dave. You got on the plane with the Melbourne Victory squad, and you actually sat next to Gay Finkler on the on the flight up to Brisbane. I did, yeah. I had a, a real feeling that I could be on that same flight. I've seen them before in the lounge. I know their preferred carrier is Qantas, and I thought 3 p.m. on a Friday, that, that, that's a really good good chance of being the same flight. So I had a bit of a chinwag to Jason Garrier beforehand and Kev Musket. Kev gave me a pat on the back when I said good luck. Physical contact with <laughs> yeah. Kev Musket, wow. Look, clearly, clearly um, he didn't really mean it because if he was really trying to be endearing with that tap on the shoulder, maybe they would have fucking performed a bit better than they did. But anyway, <laughs> um, that's okay. We'll forgive him this week for that. But yes, sat next to Finkler, who had his headphones on the entire time and was studiously watching on his iPad the Melbourne Victory v Brisbane Raw game from earlier in the season. And I'm like, this guy's pro. Look at him, focused, ready for the match. I'm really filled me with a whole bunch of confidence about how the game might pan out. Yeah, I got that one wrong. <laughs> uh, you, you spoke to him about his plans for, for next season, did you? I did, yeah. Look, I... I didn't want to press him too much on it and, you know, I, I started the question off in a sort of, you know, in a joking, well, jokingly sort of 
suggested that he, you know, what's going on for next season, and he was neither here nor there about it. Um, you know, he, I th- yeah, he indicated that he'd love to stay on, but you know, it's all being negotiated. He's, he's out of contract, so they are going to have to sit down and obviously nut that out. But um, yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed with all that, and you know, whether or not, you know, whether or not he stays, um, you know, I did thank him for the years of service. Let's let's. Let's face up to it. I mean, he's been tremendous. We've been talking about him on the same sort of level as Hernandez. That comparison regularly comes up. I feel a little bit embarrassed that I've uh, compared him to Hernandez earlier in the season. I said he was always better than Hernandez, but given his uh, mind. given his form in the last few months, it hasn't been that great. He's become noticeably slower to the point where a lot of fans are calling for him to be removed from that playmaker role and and maybe swap with Oli Bazanich in the uh, the holding midfield. So. That, that could oh, be. He can't really tackle. Yeah, uh, I he, can't, he can't do. He, much. he, he can't, can't play at the moment can't. either. <laughs> I, I think you blokes have been a touch harsh on Gee. To be fair, I, that's the Vavaxa. Only Jay's harsh yeah. on everyone. <laughs> not me. I... Yeah, Positivity like, is was, not a thing you, was, you find this podcast too often. That's true. There was talk of, of there was talk of one one trick ponies at some stage a couple of weeks ago. I remember that, but I don't. That think was you, Jace. That was me. That was. That was <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he's been that bad. He's still really the fulcrum for all of our attacking play. But I think the issue is that his head's gone. That's I think he, that once sense. the uh, ACL squads came out, I think he was he, he's, gone. He's playing like a heartbroken man, I think. I actually got I actually raised that point to some people at halftime that I was wondering why uh, Guy and Bazanich were on opposite ends of the midfield spectrum. And I had a Melbourne victory uh, fan absolutely berate me that Guy Finkler was the only person in the midfield up to halftime doing something. And I'm not sure what game he was watching because I didn't really see him do too much. Okay. I didn't really see the, the team do too much, to be honest. Yeah, we'll, 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 I guess we'll expand a little bit on the game as well. Pretty dire. It, it just seemed like to me, just watching it at home on TV, that there was just the team was just lacking heart, really. They just seemed to pack it in really early on. Obviously, a couple early goals from McLaren really just stifled the game as a contest. And then from there, victory never looked back, never looked like getting back into it and never looked like any, causing any dis- uh, concerns for the defence of Brisbane either. Yep, second goal, they gave up. They just they stopped playing. Exactly what I was about to say. As soon as Vukovic kind of was left in no man's land for that second, they packed it in <clears throat> and they were terrible. And gee, if we're going to talk about Guy Finkler being out of form and not doing anything, Benny Calfella... <laughs> Did absolutely nothing. He was so bad on the that. Body language that wing. was awful as he well. Because he was in. Uh, if they were shooting up our end in the first half, he was on our side, and he would just get get the ball, run towards the corner flag, and just get beaten. And any any ball that got put in, any corner that got put in, never met a head. It would barely beat the first man. It was just they absolute Brisbane absolutely destroyed us on the counter, and our midfield got decimated and bullied. And we we packed it in after the second goal, and there was a free run. They were in championship winning. We made them look like yeah. they were going to win the championship. My friend came along. He's not the biggest football fan. He lives up in Brisbane, and he was like, "What the fuck is wrong with your team?" <laughs> like it was just it was just McLaren, no McLaren put on. An absolute clinic. Oh, he was clinic, hurt, he was he hurt was by, a masterclass. He, he was hurt by Ange not picking him. I think. I think Aloisi must have said to him, "Go and show him why you should be picked." Quite possibly. And they were they were really well taken goals. You know, they weren't particularly that first one. He had to you know take it first time and slot it away beautifully. And the second one, you know, he had it all to do as well. Um, I just thought, as you guys have already said, you know, after that, heads dropped, two 0 down. Yeah, but um, then, you know, the third goal was a deflected goal. So, yes, we were outclassed, outplayed, but we didn't have much go our way either. No, that's definitely true. I think two of the goals came from our own attacking set pieces, didn't they? That's that's awful stuff. I think Mahazi got left one out with four blokes running at him for one of them. That's, that's just not good enough. I think so. the worst effort for the night and what summed that up for us was when your mate Connor Payne came on. My and mate, he, okay. Yeah. And he had, he had seriously, he had 20 minutes. He was fresh legs. It was very humid up there. It was very humid. So they might have, it was a big backlog of games. Our legs would have gone, our heads would have gone. But I think it was Dimi Petrados had a run out of, the, out of midfield. And Connor Payne, all he had to do was just cop... He wasn't the last man back. All he had to do was cop the yellow card, 
just do the professional foul and tug the shirt. And he pussied out and he wimped out and he left this exposed at the back. And it's, mm. everyone was calling for it. And he just let Petrados roam free and they just slotted another one. And I think by that time they put another two in or another one in within a couple of minutes of that. They were just processions of goals in bursts that they did. And they just absolutely destroyed us. Like no other team I've seen actually destroy us. That was the worst raping I've ever seen us cop. I think the 5-0 against Sydney a few years ago when Seb Ryle and Del Piero destroyed us was bad on Australia Day, but this was worse. This was just a, we're not listening to the manager, the manager's not changing anything or doing anything, and we can we can touch on that later. We've, it's it's going to be all the same diatribe that we've brought all year about Kev's substitutions and his setup of the team, but Aloisi had Kev's number the other night, and we went home with our tails between our legs, and... It was heartbreaking and embarrassing. It's hard to know what to say because we just seem to be going over the same thing over and over and over. The uh, the, the midfield's not good enough, and you know you're relying on Mahazi and Broxham, who just aren't. They missed Broxham, I thought, big time. Yeah, so mm. Broxham was on the bench because of the the ACL that's coming up. Uh, Mahazi was a, a linchpin at the midfield again, and he's just not doing enough. Some errant passes. Very generous from use well. of the word linchpin there, mate. <laughs> well, he was he was relied on. He's relied on to do a no, job. Uh, just want to say something about the whole notion of this Brisbane trip. Um, That's probably, I think, the fifth time I've done Brisbane away, and that's the biggest away support in Brisbane that I've ever seen. I reckon it was about 400 probably, maybe more, and really disappointing that all 400-odd of us got, you know, served up a big bowl of shit to chow down on. And to touch on that, we... Had a, a decent uh, crew at the pubs beforehand and we didn't go to like the official away game pub beforehand. And we went there for the last hour and I was actually not stunned but quite taken aback of how many people were up there. And we were like, geez, this is going to be big. And if you count in the people that weren't drinking in the families, there was families up there. There was, I think there was a lot of Vuck fans that took uh, advantage of the long weekend. pub long weekend. Right. There was heaps. The away bay was almost full. Let's touch on that uh, because you on Saturday night on the Twitter account, Dave Melb Victory Net Twitter, you said that uh, the fans were giving it back to the players after the match. Obviously, they would have been hurt that they spent a fair bit of money going up there. It cost a fair bit to go to Brisbane and they were served up shit and it seemed like they, they gave it back to the players and some confrontations yeah, followed. That, well, that's the news that trickled through. I didn't see any of the confrontation allegedly, but, you know, us um, of Slavic descent uh, tend to be um, a bit more hot-headed than others. Yeah. And I believe Archie and um, our mate Georgievsky were, you know, up at the away end giving the thanks for coming kind of thing. Well, sorry. Was, thing. Sorry, that was after Vukovic came over and apologised. Yeah. He came and apologised and had some photos because some of the fans brought up a Vuka 250 game banner. Yeah. And he was quite genuine to everyone. Archie and Georgievsky apparently just rolled up and a few fans, you know, gave him a mouthful. And instead of, you know, just going, sorry, it was not acceptable. We're sorry that you've come up and seen that. They just gave it back and started trying right. to jump into the... Uh, yeah. So that's what we reported on. Yeah. I think we were quite lagged up at that point. I think I was getting the information from you because you remember it much more clearly than I do. But, um, yeah, look, it's you, you, you do expect your players to do what Vuka did. And as a goalkeeper, I can also attest, you know, when you, when you um, pick the ball out of the back of the net that many times, you feel absolutely devastated. And I have no doubt, you know, in a milestone game, he's the first ever A-League player to have reached 250 games. What a shocker to have for your 250th. He's really good like that, though, too. And I watched the TV coverage, and he was very genuine, and he put his hand up straight away in the heat of... His face was still beaming with, you know, sweat, and he was panting, and he said, sorry, the second goal was mine. Put his hand up for that and went straight to the fans. So, as you brought up last week, Jace, I'm, I'm becoming more and more of a VUCA fan, and if it wasn't for him, it would have been 8-9-0 to nine nil, easily. Easily our best player, comfortably. Made seven saves, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Unfortunately, that second goal was pretty terrible that from him. That was a stinker. We were, we were talking about that. I've just done my pod and we were talking about that. And um, the theory we came up with is that he literally wasn't paying attention when the ball first came. Yeah. So he didn't understand the context of it and thought he could get to it. But he, he just yeah, he just wasn't fully aware of the game situation. It's hard to imagine... It's hard to apportion 
uh, any kind of reason other than that to because he was just absolutely nowhere. His positioning was similar for the goal against Central Coast bound in Geelong, uh, where, where Thomas Den made the mistake, but same kind of positioning where he just was too far away from the goal off his line and and ended up uh, going in. Now. The the match oh sorry the the post game analysis Mark Bosnich made the comment that all of a sudden now victory have a problem and I feel like for victory fans this performance just punctuates a really bad few months for victory but now it seems like the media have acknowledged the fact that this is an actual issue now uh, what do you guys think well it it, it was a shellacking you know um it, we're the we're the reigning champions and we get smacked around five nil so I think. It's kind of natural for people in that sort of post-game situation like Bosnich to be a bit... uh, to roll with a fair bit of hyperbole when they're giving that kind of analysis. Um, I know you tend to think, you know, this has been a problem for a long time and, you know, we need to address it. I don't think it's been as bad. um, And I think I've mentioned before that it does... You know, you have that target on your back in the A-League as soon as you are the champions and, of course... Salary cap league, it's just so hard to back it up again. And then you have the Asian Champions League. We have a target on our back just by virtue of being Melbourne Victory as well. Yeah. Everyone loves yeah, to that's, beat us. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the form has been a massive concern and it's, it's surprised to me that it's taken this long for, for anyone, like for Bosnich to comment on it. What, the only game we've won was... Um, last last, last week, week, yeah. And that was an awful performance. We were horrendous to watch. Yeah. It was tough. Um so I don't understand why no one, or not no one, but why it hasn't been a bigger narrative. Of no one's been pushing it enough. Yeah, uh, they may have been commenting here and now. No one's been pushing. I guess because that top six is up until the week just gone. It's been fairly even still, um, but now we're seeing Adelaide, Western Sydney, and of course now Brisbane starting to, I guess, and you could even argue Melbourne City. City. Um, develop a bit of a gap between four, five and six, or sorry, five and six, if you like. I don't think we're anywhere near that top four teams. I think those top four teams can turn each other over, and even Perth now. You saw Perth the other week absolutely turn Brisbane over and make them look second rate, but we don't seem to be able to get any kind of performance going. We struggle against pace. We struggle against the pacey Ford and McLaren just absolutely was sensational. But we've got the best marksman in the league, or Berisha, and he's just double te- – he'll get double teamed all night. He's isolated and double teamed and he can't do anything about it because the formation is not allowing that. And Cal Fowler is just so badly out of form. Our problem is personnel. The midfield doesn't have a linchpin anymore. We don't have any depth. Archie's finished. Georgievsky's no good. So we've got nothing dynamic coming off the bench. And just basically we're just – Fifth or sixth round, mediocre. Yeah. yeah, just mediocre. And when you've got your your top three earners on the team are underperforming, you can't do anything in this league. You can't do anything. And I'm sorry, but Oliver Bazanich has just been an absolute bust. I reckon he's a bit out of position. You know, you're talking about Finkler leaving and Bazanich going to that role. I think that's his best spot. Yeah, I don't think he should ever have been playing this holding role nah. that, that Kev's got him in. He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yeah, it's, it's too much for him. He can't yeah. do it. He needs to be playing the, the you know the cute little left-footed balls. Yeah, he was at Central Coast. You know, nominally, you know, um, almost a number ten, but even sometimes wide out on the left too. He yeah, he's not really that. He doesn't have that kind of engine, you know, and, and that real sort of defensive game uh, to, to maintain. And again, it's the whole Valeri yeah. factor. Well, we basically lost our entire um, central midfield in one go, more or less, didn't we? Because of what happened with Valeri um, being ill and Milligan going overseas. So, that's, uh, you know, I'd like to see any team replace mm. both of their central mids and not struggle. Yeah, all right, we'll leave it there. Uh, pretty disappointing result. I don't know if a 5-0 defeat is still enough for Kevin Muscat to make drastic changes next week, which is saying something about his coaching. But, uh, yeah, well, I guess... I'm coming around to um, Marty's theory about, you know, having two up front. And, we, you know, we, you could argue when Barbarossas is there and Cal Feller is playing better that you, you have got three very good attacking players there. But, yeah, he's just isolated so much in this current setup, And the wide players, you know, you're relying on that first time entry and if you if you don't get that you know you're you're basically having to track back and and you know as you said he's he's um doing too much of the grunt work deeper when he should yeah, be actually a bit more advanced he shouldn't be needing to extract the ball for himself 
Who goes out of the midfield to, to bring in a second striker? Do we play a diamond with, with Broxham at the, at, as the central defensive midfielder? That's I a think lot to would. ask. We could just play with, with the two number sixes and, and just leave a bit of a... <laughs> and play the, the false nine that we used to play um, and, and have a, a striker that does do a bit of the grunt work, but another one who's a bit more advanced as well. So, look, these are questions that, you know, um, I guess hopefully Kev is asking of himself. You know, what is it that I can do to get better results from the cattle that I have? And a couple of us are having a really good look through the NPL team who have been performing excellent. They're sitting third at the moment in the Victorian NPL. And there's just, there's good kids coming through and they're not going to be A-League, they're not A-League ready. They're not A-League ready. Some They've got a couple of 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds in there that are banging goals in, but they're not going to make a difference. So he's really hamstrung with what he's got. So he needs to make plan A work. I don't know. George no Howard B. and Katabian have sort of been I on the fringes but George never really Howard given opportunities. Yes, yes. George Howard and Katabian were the only two that you could think would come in, but are they going to be midfield ready? I'm not sure. At which point does Kev roll the dice? We will see in the coming weeks. It's Memnet of the Week time. Yeah, what do you do, you know? Um... When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's... Remember Jurakovic? Putting the ball at the back of the net. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's... Remember Jurakovic? It's my favourite time of the week. It's member of the week time. And I want to touch on a, a couple of past winners of Member of the Week over the last two weeks. Number one, Tim Cahill is releasing a children's book. He's doing a signing at a big W in a few weeks' time, I believe. Um, some more money for Tim. Good on him. Hashtag legacy. Hashtag vision. Yeah. And another one uh, that came to light yesterday. Uh, I think we've accidentally started a feud here with, with Giancarlo Galifoco. <laughs> Someone ratted well, you know us what? out. Someone ratted well, us you out. know what? Fuck him. No, 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 oh. Dave, Dave, Dave. Some Somebody's put him on to I'm us. And you go because... Keep, it, I'm keeping the peace because I don't want to sever ties with the club. Uh, I did call out Giancarlo for his uh, his freebie stashing You told him ways. to pull his fucking head in. I did. Yeah. I still stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday I got a tweet from one of our, one of our listeners saying that Giancarlo uh, was claiming another freebie from... SIP Designs, and I'll give him a, a shout-out too. You can follow SIP Designs at, at SIP.Designs. Uh, he, he got a free T-shirt, and he was rocking it. And someone, uh, someone sent me that tweet, and I said, uh, looking good, Giancarlo, I'm going to have to pick me up one of those shirts. And on, um, on his Instagram <laughs> comments, someone ratted us out, and they, what they say here? They said, I don't know if you know this, but uh, these people are making fun of you on, on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I saw somebody else, uh, we, we missed one last week when we were going through his, um, his oh. rap sheet and there was another one when, I think it was back from November in 2015 last year, where he goes, hey, anyone know where to get PlayStation games in a PlayStation? Tagging PlayStation in there, really need to get some games. Tags in <laughs> PlayStation Australia and it's like... Have you never heard of JB Hi-Fi, bro? <laughs> like he's just big W going for the clear. Going for the clear. Can't fault a bloke for taking advantage of his circumstances. That's right. Good on, on him, I say. On that Instagram comment, he did reply back to the person who ratted us out, and thanks for, to that person who ratted us out. Uh, he replied back, "Pretty good for a player that doesn't play." So he may have, <laughs> he may have got wind of what we said about him last week. And I, I'm sorry if you are listening or one of his friends are listening, Giancarlo. I do apologise. I just want to take this opportunity to to call a true. And I'll, I'll end it right here. Um, I won't. I won't bag you out. You do you, pal. You do you, and you get all the freebies you can. Uh, because obviously, we're we're just an amateur podcast. Don't take any notice of us. Uh, I'll move on to member of the week for this week, and it's a sentimental member of the week. Uh, one of our old friends, Damien De Bowen. Uh, cited family reasons for calling an end to his time as the head of the A-League. But I just wanted to have one last member of the week just to celebrate his incompetence. Dave, what do you think of Damien Bell leaving? Is this a great thing for A-League fans? Uh, I think it is. But it's it's a weird one because, you know, when he was appointed, we always had, you know, people in Australian soccer, the Australian football, the community sort of saying, we need to stop appointing people from other sports, you know, the whole Ben Buckley legacy and everything. And De Bowen did come from Football Federation Victoria, if memory serves. And, you know... Um, 
it doesn't matter really who gets appointed in this sort of role. I think it points to a real structural issue with the FFA and the A-League and maybe this whole four-year strategy that's just been released will address some of that, trying to check up on whether uh, the clubs can be run as separate entities to the league itself or to the FFA, I should say. So, yeah, look, it's it's not good to see... Um, uh, you know, we've had perennial failure in this sort of role and it has been a really crap two, three years. The marketing, you know, which has been touched on, you know, it's been really, really poor. I don't think they even had a commercial yeah. to launch this season. Nope. Nothing. They, yeah, it's not, it's not visible. The A-League is not visible on the, on the like, your general public landscape. Yeah, no so one knows anything that. about it. Like, no one watches it on SBS2. You, you know, it's... it's it, very frustrating. I think but De Bowen's position was untenable um, in after the after the, the fans stuff, fiasco. Yeah, after the fan stuff, he there was just no way for him to to get any respect back from the the footballing community, and he was just done for at that point. I think this is the right call for all I concerned. I think Mark, Mark Bosnich absolutely destroyed him on live TV. So come and uh, come and join me in Parramatta for a march to the stadium. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rudy, you you do an A League podcast, so you, you're probably on top of this more than most of us. Is the role of the head of the A-League, does it need to be rejigged into something else, a different title? Is it still a relevant job that someone can do? It, well, it's, that's an interesting question. I don't actually know what the head of the A-League sort of does. Because it's too closely associated with the FFA. Yeah, was yeah it, wasn't it Archie Fraser before him and he ended up walking away? Yeah, and maybe Lyle Gorman may have had yeah, it. Yeah, Lyle Gorman definitely yeah. did it. Um, but what, like, so what is um, Loju, Lowy Jr.'s role? What, like, what is yeah. he actually... What is his actual role, and like why? Why is it different to De Bowen's? That's Do, right. Can anyone answer me that? Like and, I don't know. And that's what I was going to to raise. Someone in De Bowen's role is always having to have everything stamped and approved by Frank, and now his son. And you know, it, it just seems to be a pointless kind of position in in that respect. He's a puppet. Yeah, it's just yeah. a consultancy role almost. Yeah. So I mean, look, it's. Disappointing um, for for Damien, but look, yeah, I agree. Untenable position, and let's just hope that the decisions that get made from now on, um, you know, I, I would like to see the clubs branch off from the FFA. Or, you know, I'm sick of this um, template way in which the A League is run, where you know you go to the websites and they all look the same, and everything is done through the same media channels, and it's just also. Uh, cookie, cookie cutter. We all you know? had to wear the same Reebok kit for eight, nine yeah. years. Oh, God. And so I'd, I'd want to see, you know, we've got the salary cap already to keep clubs, I guess, close to one another in terms of expenditure. Why do we need to not allow them to have some of their own flair, creative flair? And that's the issue. That's where, you know, people who haven't really gone into the A-League, who are football fans, use that plastic argument. And it's true. I mean... It's, uh, it's plastic as it gets with everything looking the same in the templates. What's encouraging, though, is that David Gallup did come out last week and kind of put out a plan in place uh, for marketing and, and so forth. So things could be on the up for the A-League, hopefully. I think in... I've read it this morning. Uh, it was a... might have been a Guardian article. Gallup, Lowy and whoever they get in now, if they get them in, have got the biggest... Biggest job coming up in maybe five, six weeks with the TV rights deal and negotiating that. That's coming up very, very soon. And that's, that's, this, this is the big one. This is the one that platforms the A-League into free-to-air television. They have to get to free-to-air. They have to get to a commercial station. I think It is not negotiable. I reckon Channel 10 are going to do... I th- uh, was the sports director of Channel 10 was quoted this morning saying that we've proven ourselves in the sporting landscape to be more innovative than the other channels with what we've done with the Big Bash and we really think that there's something that we could do with this. So what Les Murray made some good points the other week. It, it doesn't matter what channel that the A-League is on. If it's good enough, people will watch it. So we just need to get... I think they're going to try and bring into a centralised a centralized method of getting marquees for everybody. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. if we can get that right and get some um, some commercial uh, relevancy in the marketplace, it, it, it may be a different landscape. And I've got confidence about that. Look at the last two months of the A-League. It's been sensational. Great games, lots of goals, plenty of excitement, a title chase that is just looking sensational. Mm-hmm. So look at, look at that and, you know, market that. There's no problem with the product at the moment. 
That's right. The product is the best it's ever been. The issue they have is connecting football fans to the A-League. There is a huge, a vast community yeah. of football fans in Australia that are not interested in the A-League. The best way to, to get that, like to get eyes on that is to get it on Channel 10, which I think is probably the best, uh, the best look. They're only blue chip sporting um, coverage is, is the big bash, and that's six weeks long or whatever it is. And then the, the rest of the season... It's, can, you can put it on Channel 10 at you know 7.30 on a Friday night and people might watch it. I wonder if, if Channel 10 get the rights, if we might see a return of Pyro. If Channel 10 is part of, is part of the contract, well, actually, we like fireworks, so let's get Pyro in. Let's get the, let's get the flares back into the A-League. Well, they do it after every six of the, uh, yeah. the big bash leagues. So. And I think one of the, uh, going back a few seasons ago, one of the uh, players always got his head... <laughs> Uh, blown off by a, a, a firework, Aaron Finch. Channel 10 have Mel too. You, no, Mel, Mel, no, Mel no. quit. She's, She's gone, gone. seven. She's going to cover gone. the Olympics. She's yep. uh, going to the Olympics. Oh, She's going on to bigger and better things. Oh, what a, so, uh, what a shame. Yeah, poor Mel. She's uh, <laughs> it's all right. You'll get out. plenty of air in, in the middle of the year, mate. <laughs> That's true. So one last one last kick in the guts for Damien DeBowen. We are all happy that you're leaving. The one person who's probably not happy is the Guardians, David Squires. <laughs> of Huck's sake is the Ally T services. You can give Peter a call on 1-800-843-695. He'll take care of any IT issues that you have. We're going to discuss a few general tidbits going on around victory circles at the moment. This one, I'm just going to give it air, despite the fact that I don't believe it at all. And not to sound pig-headed, if you didn't hear it on Victory Secret, it's not going to happen, but we'll talk about it anyway. <laughs> Dimitar Berbatov was linked to a move to the A-League, specifically to the Melbourne Victory there are so many things wrong with this story. Number one, how do we fit him under a cap, just considering the fact we have two marquee players locked in for the next two years at least with, with uh, Barisha and Bozanic locked in? Uh, do you give any kind of merit to this, Dave? No, ridiculous. Don't want him. I don't want him either, to be honest. Uh, I think he's a bit too lazy for the A-League. It's a physical competition. He'd be coming here for essentially a, a late career payday. And, you know, that's not, that's not really our bag, Melbourne Victory. And if you're coming to leagues or paydays, there's better, there's better options around, around the world now. Yeah, there's better options in Asia. Yeah. yeah. Apparently he was dressing room cancer at United. Apparently he was dressing room cancer at Tottenham. Same thing at Fulham. And he's now in Greece injured with a grand total of about four goals in 16 appearances. So well, if he's not tearing up the Greek league for Pauk... Um, I can't see why we would be throwing the kitchen sink at him. Surely, surely he, surely his ego wouldn't clash with Kevin Musket's ego. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather see us go for if we're looking for an attacking player, the young guy who also just left or is just left Greek football, um, who's just got selected by the Socceroos, uh, Giano. You know, his parents live in Oakley. It makes sense. We wouldn't be able to afford him, but I'd rather we have discussions about a player like him yeah, than fucking Berbatov. I thought that was brilliant by Ange as well because uh, that guy's been playing for the Greek youth sides and then his first cap for uh, the Socceroos will be against Greece. Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty crafty from Ange Postacoglu on that one. Just a bit of a fuck you to the Greek national team. Yeah, he, He's on the big bucks in China now. Yeah, that's why I said we wouldn't be able to afford him uh, to have... You know, but we have the lure of his family. I want Mitch Austin to replace Costa. Good call. I think that would be perfect. I we just would. want Jamie McLaren. I can't believe you'll have kid. to. You'll I have to tell Jason can't. who Mitch Austin is. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the central... Is he Central Coast? Hey. Hey. Ah, yeah. Central Coast are a team in Gosford, I, I learned yeah, last yeah. week, apparently. <laughs> uh, Wherever that is. They play on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> 
we have discussed this over and over and over, but officially the news was uh, was made was confirmed when Costa was uh, signed by Wellington Phoenix during the last week. Um, there's not much to touch on there. It's a, it's a big loss for us, but there's the opportunity to um, to get a new foreigner, which should say it'd be crazy not to look in the Asia kind of region to get that plus one, especially if we're going to advance from the group stages of the Asian Champions League. And for the people who keep asking over and over and over, <laughs> yes, Costa can play the group stages and then we can swap him out after the round of 16. By that stage, he'll still be with the victory. It's fine. Stop asking people. It's fucking established. <laughs> you, you, this has been a real bugbear. Mate, I've it's, noticed. Uh, it's, it's getting asked seriously on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram daily. Think, think of it this way, guys. These guys are coming to you for their Melbourne victory information. So, And you've got it. Costa can play, okay? <laughs> and don't get pissed at this because we fucking signed Barisha in January of 2014. Some, like, six months before the season started uh, when he started playing for and victory. He went on and won a he title. He went on and won a title with the Brisbane Raw, scoring in the grand final. There's no, there's no, no chance of him losing focus or anything like that. He's going to be a, a consummate professional the whole way through. There's no... There's no reason to call for his head and you know kicking him out of the squad and kicking him out of the ACL. It's, it's silliness. He'd be leading our like, player of the season, wouldn't he? He He'd would have be. to be. Yeah, he, like, yeah. His a, his start of the year was so good. But it's outrageous to suggest that we ditch him because he signed for another club. Mate, the Vux will start booing him soon, and I have no doubt in my mind when he comes back for Wellington in a Wellington shirt, they'll boo him as well. I really hope not. Uh, I hope not either. But someone who would be challenging him for the victory medal and someone who's making a late charge home is Del Pierre. And he was, uh, Matt Winley's written an article today, a uh, friend of a buck's sake, Matt Winley, has written an article saying that Del Pierre is reconsidering retirement. He's, he's obviously, his form has been amazing. He may have jumped the gun a little bit when he was feeling the pinch in, in November when the, the heat was, was rising in Melbourne. It'd be a big get to keep him. I tell you, when the heat was rising in Brizzy, he probably had his worst performance for us on the weekend. So obviously he doesn't like the heat and humidity because I reckon I lost about three kgs in sweat up there. Oh, it was bloody the, hot. The A-League in our summer is the perfect place for him then. Yeah. Uh, but no, he's. I reckon he'd have to be one of the best, if not the best defender to ever play in the comp. Absolutely. And I, I think yep. if we can convince him to stay on, especially in the cap, throw it, just do it, get, get it done. So don't ask questions. Yeah, he, doesn't, done. he doesn't command, you know, Ridiculous coin, so you know he, he's certainly someone that you could keep in there. I just think he's that much of a pro that he probably sat down and thought this would be it. I don't want to play a year too long. Don't want to play an extra year when I'm not as good as I can be. And maybe he sat there and gone, yeah, maybe I'm in good nick. So I think I think he'll stay on. I think we'll keep him. Um, I think he probably enjoys Melbourne. Melbourne's probably a good place for him and his family. That's probably. I think we'll get one more year. And I'll be happy with that. Best city in the world, Melbourne. Why would you want to leave, hey? Exactly. Valeri apparently has returned to training. That's the goss around town. He has been ruled out for the season. He could make a late charge for finals. If he's, if he's training, he's got about six weeks left to finals. If we make it, it's obviously worth a risk to put him in there, wouldn't it be? Put our names on the cup. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the idea of, you know, finishing fifth or sixth and getting one of those away finals and he comes back, you know, maybe plays the game before the end of the season, that game at home against Brisbane, you know, maybe 60 minutes or whatever, and then we, you know, peak at that time. That would be tremendous. And to have our captain back at that time of the season, well, we can only hope. It'd be really good um, for morale to going into the final six series to lift this weight of the current result off our shoulders and get a bit of revenge. Revenge. Get a bit of revenge back. So, yeah, that would be the story of the season for mine. When I recently just heard that from you guys, that he was back in training, my spirits lifted a lot because I was actually concerned that he was never going to play again. Yeah, so was I. And he's the nicest guy on the planet. He's he's that good of a person. So Perfect to have him back. He's our captain. He fills our weakest point. Perfect. Mm.
Another sponsor of a Voxake is Bellsave Plastering. They are fully qualified and insured plasterers. They deal in new homes, renovations and commercial properties. All aspects of plastering, there is no job too small. You can give Boris a call on 0405 370 Looking ahead now to the next two games tomorrow night. Well, actually, we're going to re- release this podcast on Tuesday morning. So this evening, Melbourne Victory play Suwong Blue Wings. Now, obviously, there's an element of the unknown about Suwong. They are last on the ACL table. Um, haven't been yep. performing too well. A win here for Victory would lift us to seven points. History tells us ten points gets us past the group stages in, in history. This is a big game for Victory. It is. And look, what better way to shake that 5-0 result away um, than to come up with something in this game? The really encouraging thing is, from my point of view, from a personnel point of view, there's going to be about five or six forced changes. And then I suspect Kev might wield the axe on some other players as well. So Barbarousas will come back in. Finkler and Calfella will exit. Broxham will come back in. Uh, so that's immediately two hardened senior players back into the lineup. Ansel will also return in the centre of defence. So his injury concerns are over for the short term? Yeah, I believe the reason he didn't fly to Brisbane was just to not exacerbate something minor. Yeah, it's, it hasn't been declared that he's his foot. He's like maybe clot or something like that. Yep. Uh, but he's not, he's not a sure thing to return to the team tomorrow. He's, I think he's still very much touch and go. We spoke earlier about the, the target that's on the Melbourne Victory's head when they play in A-League matches. But is there a change in mindset when they're playing against teams that don't really know them, who don't really rate them because obviously they've got a, a wage bill that's much smaller than any of their competitors? Is there an element of Victory players going into this as the hunters rather than the hunted. Yeah, absolutely. You can see it in the way they play. It's the, There's a bit of open space. The, everyone sort of figured us out. You just sit back and then try and, and uh, hit us on the counter in the A-League. In the in the ACL, they rightly back, us, back themselves to, to dominate us, and that actually works in our favour. I think I think we're a huge show against Suwon. I think so as well, and they need to get something out of that game. So it'll be, it'll be a free-flowing game because they'll be pushing for that goal. Three points in this one puts us in a really good position for qualification because I think then there's one more additional home game to be played, That's which right. would put us on Against 10 points Gamba. if we happen to win that. So, yeah, and if we can sneak a point overseas somewhere, even better. Yeah, they don't. Know, no one really knows too much about this team, but I think they've come into this competition uh, finishing runners-up in the K-League in 14 and 15. So they're a good outfit. They're, they're that standard Asian team that's got two Brazilians running around in it. So I think their names are Higor and, Sa- Higor and Santos. So have no good, idea good about... South Korean names. The, yes. yeah, the standard ones. <laughs> yeah, so um, they've lost the opening game of the K-League season to Songnam 0-2 two, to two away. So hopefully we've got them out of form, which would be good because we seem to have got the other two out of form when we've played them. So... Uh, that's something that's going to play into our favour. I really hope a good crowd comes out for this. I really hope so. And if you haven't heard, if you had your Auto 12 membership finances buggered up by the club, punch your barcode into the website where you get the tickets and you'll get one freebie if you haven't got that yet. So everyone get around and on the buck. Hard to believe that after a game such as Saturday that we can go into this one <laughs> with a bit of confidence, but the, that's that's how different the form lines have been between the two different competitions. I'm tipping a 2-0 win here to the victory. Don't do that Woo! because when we've gone in negative, because me and Dave, I, actually on that flight, I listened to the podcast again. I told you you were too positive. We were super positive, Dave, <laughs> I know. and I yeah. think that's a good thing. I don't think the, uh, the the listeners want to hear about doom and gloom. And I want to stay positive about the team and I don't want to uh, wish time away or wish the season away. But when we get ultra negative and say, we're going to lose 16-0, what's Jai Ingham doing? Jai Ingham scores and we get results. So, um, All right, I'll, I'll revise that. We're going to lose 10-0. Jai Ingham's going to break his leg and that'll be the end of his season. Okay, 16-0 to Sue Wong. I'm going to go with something different and say nil all. Nil all. Uh, I think we're going to win this one 2-1, to be honest. On to the next A-League game. Same time as the Grand Prix on Sunday. It's a real weird timing, considering you know what else is going on in Melbourne at the time. Uh, Melbourne victory versus Newcastle Jets at Amy Park. Once again, I'm confident about this one. Bogey team, I know, but I'm confident. 
Yeah, I'm not so confident. Um, only because since the transfer window activity, Newcastle have sharpened up a little bit. Um, you know, the big Dane, I really like the look of him, Nordstrand. And I think their midfield's just a little bit more... Yeah, a little bit more productive now. Garkovic, uh, you know, good state league yeah. player who's come through. They got rid of the David Carney curse. Yeah. Ever, ever he transferred he, it onto Sydney. Yeah, he transferred onto Sydney. They haven't won a game since yeah. he's uh, been eight, there. Eight. They haven't won in eight, Sydney. And Newcastle have really picked their socks up. So uh, I think it's going to be a similar game to what we saw in Gosford. I think we're going to get a result, but we're going to do that Fox Sports Sunday afternoon game thing and make it really difficult to watch. And we're going to maybe cop an own goal that is in our favour. It'll be so. that game that the Channel 10 executives make their decision <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> we are <laughs> going nowhere. Yeah, near it'll be a sunny product. day in Melbourne, half the picture we covered in shadows, and it'll be a 1-0 to a Newcastle own goal. Oh, speaking of the pitch, was reading today that the rugby union game cut up Amy Park significantly over the weekend and we're left with a pitch for tomorrow night or tonight that's a bit substandard, which is really rare for Amy Park. Well, it's better than remember when Sensation White happened at Etihad Stadium and there was glass on the pitch against Adelaide United a couple of days afterwards. So we've done worse. We have. Um, I'm personally pessimistic about this game as well. I, I agree with Dave's assessment of... Of Newcastle, they've class. They've got a bit, bit more class in their midfield, um, and I can definitely see us losing this one, one nil. I can see like a Milos Trifunovic goal. At least, at least David Carney can't possibly score the winner against us this time. What a positive! <laughs> that's a massive. That's a massive positive. I'd take a one nil loss if it didn't involve David Carney. All right, fair enough. Well, you guys are pessimistic. I'm positive. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird one today. We're going to leave it there for Vox's sake this week. Thanks a lot to Rudy for joining us uh, on short notice. It's a massive help to us Thanks, this Rudy. Week. On you, mate. Anytime, boys. And, boys, I'll let you get back to sleep. It seems like you guys need it after a very big weekend. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Cheerio. Mon the vac. Every car on the road today deserves quality parts and Napa know-how, but none more than your dream car, especially if you've got it 10 years after it came out. Boy, did your patience pay off, because here you are toting your swagger about town like the gentleman motorist you are at a fraction of the cost. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your dream car running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.